The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, and welcome back to the show. And uh, <laughs> it's this Matchlick Life. Okay, sorry about that. Doing all these things here. Uh, hey, welcome. It's uh, let's see. Today is January eleventh, twenty twenty-four. Listen to Matchlick Live. I am your host, Matt Slick. Hope you're all going to have a good show tonight. I teach Bible study. And it's still on here in semi-snowy Idaho. I, I like the snow. You know, from Southern California, where it was illegal to get below. 60 degrees so this concept of this white stuff falling from this from the sky was great I, I like the snow i appreciate it all right hey look if you want to give me a call all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276 you can also email me at info at carm.org info at carm.org and um put in the subject line there put in um radio question or radio comment and I just started thinking here just as I was saying that you know, we're doing uh, one minute videos and I, I'm uh, writing them and, and voicing them and, and doing stuff and then Ernie takes them and he puts them up distributes them and stuff like that so I'm curious if any of you have watched them uh, what you think I'd like to hear from you if you want to give me a call and say yeah I've watched a few and uh, what you think, some feedback. We're always adjusting. I'm going to try a little bit of something new with the next couple, three that I'm going to do. Uh, just a little bit, just slight variations on things. But we're just uh, always looking for feedback. So if you have seen any of the one-minute videos that uh, we've been producing here at CARM on the social media area, please, you know, give me a call and let me know. Let's give you some feedback, 877 877- Two zero seven two two seven six. All right. So uh, last night I went into the metaverse, uh, and you know, metaverse is really cool because when I, I sit in front of my computer and you know I'm just working, or I am in a chat room on my computer, not in the metaverse, but I'm in there and it's you know it's uh, it's not very visual because there's it's audio and looking at words on a screen and, and stuff like that. But the nice thing about the uh, metaverse is you are surrounded in 3D in a new world. And uh, it's really a, a sensory change. It's actually uh, interesting and relaxing uh, in a weird way. Well, anyway, so I went into a room last night and, uh, and I had a conversation with... Uh, <laughs> Humble Clay says, we need a slick of verse. That'd be, <laughs> be things about heresy all the time, everywhere. Um, so I was in this one room, uh, and I like to go in and, and just sit and wait and see what's happening, get the feel of it. And someone made a comment, and I, I just I go, well, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, they they know who I am, so generally speaking, they know who I am, and uh, uh, that's fine. Uh, and I had this conversation with a Catholic, and it was really interesting. It really it bothered me 
And it bothered me for the simplicity of the mistake he made. And then this, the simplicity of this mistake is so common. And it was simply that, you know, I said, well, uh, the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches that um, salvation is obtained through your faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. And I said, the Bible says, uh, you know, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. All right, so what's interesting is they hear the verse and then they immediately do one of two things. And this guy did both. They immediately try and contradict that verse with another verse. And they don't realize what they're doing. And he went to James 2, 24, you know, uh, man is not justified by faith alone. And I said, yeah, the context. And uh, he says, I know the context. I said, well, good, what is it? Like, well, the church fathers say, <laughs> no, what's, it, what's the context? He didn't know. So I'd explain it to him. But uh, they do that. They'll set scripture against scripture. That's one thing. And it's really bad. So if you have a verse uh, that you come across in the scriptures and another one you think contradicts it, well, then you got a problem. It's not the Bible that's a problem. It's your understanding that's a problem. You've got to change. But most people refuse to do that. And I've discovered over the years that what people will do is they become emotionally committed to an, an intellectual position. They identify with it, and that's it. And whatever you present can't be correct if it disagrees with their commitment. It's not an issue of the Word of God. It's an issue of, of what does their church teach? What is their their preferences, their humanist philosophy, which is rampant in the Christian church, uh, both in Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, and Protestantism, but nevertheless. So I put the the verse in context, and I says, look, you don't set scripture against scripture. You have to understand each one in its context. Otherwise, you're going to have problems. That's why you jumped to another verse to contradict what this clearly says. And I said, it's a mistake on your part. You shouldn't do that. You should look at what the text says. And uh, he, you know, he didn't want to hear anything like that. And he just jumps into what gives you the authority in your interpretation. It's like, dude, just read what it says. Just read it. You, you know, you don't need authority. Just read it. And so the conversation went on for a little bit. And then he did the second thing that uh, I find interesting. And that was, uh, he went to, I had to tell him where it was, but uh, he says, so. Uh, uh, he said, you know, a new command is given that you love one another. I said, yeah, John fourteen thirty four, and uh, and and he says, well, that's what you got to do. And I said, does it say there that that's what you do to be saved or to be justified? And when I said this to him, it was interesting to me because I've done this a thousand times, but it just the light really shined on the issue once again, in that uh, they don't think they don't examine God's word their loyalty is to a church not to God's word not to the person of Christ and the evidence of that is exemplified in something like this where they they look at a verse where Jesus says I command you to love one another and uh, he said see that contradicts what you're saying I said no it doesn't and it, it's just it's amazing and then he comes on he goes he says, well, it's contradicting your interpretation. I said, I just read it. I'm absolutely dumbfounded uh, sometimes why people will refuse to believe what the Word of God says. And I'm so accustomed to that problem 
that sometimes I don't think about the reason, which is a spiritual blindness. That there is a true blindness. In 2 Corinthians uh, 4, verses 3 and 4, I'm going to read that to you. It's really interesting. And it says this right here. Uh, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they may not see the, gospel, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So this uh, pericope of verses, Second Corinthians verse, uh, 4, verses 3 and 4, I've used in a tricky kind of way. And, you know, sometimes you gotta, you got to trick people to see something because they don't want to see anything. Uh, it's like magic. You know, this isn't magic, but I mean, you know, magic, they, they trick you to make you think you're seeing something that's not really not true. Well, we got to do this in reverse, trick them to see what the truth actually is because they prefer the trick that blinds them. So one of the things that I'll do is I will ask, uh, what is the gospel? And I get varying answers from, from people, um, particularly Catholics and uh, Eastern Orthodox. They'll tell me the gospel is, you know, these variations of forms, they'll say, well, it's, it's, uh, it's the proclamation of what Christ did and the sacraments and baptism and the work of the church and all this. They'll, go, they'll, they'll say things like this. And I'll say, well, are you sure that's what it is? And they, uh, you know, they'll repeat it, a variation of that. And I'll say, okay, you sure that's what the gospel is? And they'll say, yes, that's what it is. That's right. And I said, okay. I take them to 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now that's what uh, it says right there. And what precedes that is verse 1, where he says, Brethren, I make known to you the gospel. Paul reveals what the gospel is, and he says that Jesus died, you know, was crucified, died, was buried. And I say to the people, I say, look, you didn't get the gospel right. The gospel is, is right there in scripture. And it was so simple. And the reason is because, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they may not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And I'll say to them, so you didn't get the gospel right, and the Bible tells you why. Because the God of this world has blinded you. Let's just say that doesn't go over very well with the people I address it to. But I do. And they don't like it. And in the case last last night, I got kicked out of their room because I wasn't saying things that they wanted me to say. And people don't want to hear the truth a lot of times. They want to hear what they want to hear. And it's a shame. I would say read the Bible and open your heart and your mind to it. Believe what it says, even if you don't agree with it. Romans 9 is a good place to start. Let's get to Rick from Ohio. Okay, Rick, welcome. You're on the air. Well, hello, Matt. How are you doing today? Doing all right. Hanging in there by God's grace. So what do you got, man? Um, fantastic. Hey, i got a question for you. Uh, can you give me some uh, pointers or some significance of, of the, the word, of the altar, like the first time it was used, uh, 
uh, in the Bible and whatnot and why and okay. it was the word, well it first is occurs in uh, Genesis eight twenty. Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal mm-hmm. and clean bird offered burnt offerings on the altar and the word is mesbach in, um, in Hebrew and mm-hmm. I just did a search it occurs 401 times in the Old Testament mm-hmm. so the altar is a place where an offering is made it's a location so when I was in Israel okay. we went to some of the high places and sometimes when we go to these places we'll see these constructs these stone things and I don't know because I'm not an archaeologist I don't know which ones particularly are altars which ones are not maybe we've seen some of them but right. they generally are built of stones to be permanent and then mm-hmm. you go to that place you take an animal you sacrifice it you kill it right there usually and then mm-hmm. you take the blood and you put it on the altar on the, this this con- construct of stones this, this thing it's arranged and that's what it's for and okay. uh, it's a, a place of they hope propitiation and stuff like that okay does that help any to for to, to yes yes uh to get god's uh, forgiveness uh for their sins correct and this is how they it's use this lines. all yeah right okay Alrighty, well, we had a break. Okay, so you got anything else? Oh. So you can hang off for the break. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's all I need. All right. Thank well, you. We got God bless. Hey, folks, we have wide open lines. If you want to give me a call, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Be right back after these messages. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. All right. You can also email me at uh, info at carm.org. Just put in there a radio question or radio comment. Let's get to Brandon from Utah. Brandon, welcome. You're on the air. Hello, Matt. Hey, how you doing? Good. I just had a question in Genesis three twenty two after the okay. after the fall. Uh, then the Lord God said, "Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat it and live forever." I just don't understand. Like, can you explain it? Uh. Explain what? Live forever, the tree of life, not well, yeah, eating like, it. But... Become like so how do we become like one of them? And then what is like I know God doesn't worry, but the way it's worded, it's like lest lest okay. he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat it and live forever. Okay, so okay, so you said several things there, but uh, to become like one of us, it's the plurality of the Trinity speaking. You'll notice that Genesis deals with the early aspect of the revelation of God given to us as associated with the created order and the plurality right. of God is known and uh, so the Lord God, the to singular said, is going like one of us knowing good and evil and that's the context that he has knowledge that God now ha- God al- already had good, of e- good and evil, the knowledge of it and now 
uh, Adam and Eve, they, they had that knowledge. And that's all that's going on. And so they were in a fallen state. The general idea here that's going on is that they had to be blocked from eating the fruit of the, of the tree of life in that they would then stay in that condition of fallenness. And okay. the guard was, was put on, on, the, on that so they could not get to it. This is ultimately pointing to the cross because the tree, Jesus was raised upon a tree, that is the true tree right. of life, that we, where by faith we trust in Christ. We're supposed to eat of the bread that Christ has produced, the bread of life right. in his blood and his stuff, not in what is here and in Genesis 3. So that's all that's going on is, is the idea, generally speaking, is that God does not want them to remain in that condition, there's something better coming, and that's in the redemptive order and the resurrected body and things like that. Okay, well, okay. thank you. Yeah, that explains it better. I just didn't understand it, so. All right. Well, there you go. I appreciate it. Okay. You're welcome. God bless. Hey, God All bless right. you too, Matt. Okay. All right. Well, we have nobody waiting. If you want to give me a call, then all you got to do is dial 877 two zero seven two two seven six all right i had an idea i was talking to him look up the word us and uh that's interesting because uh it's become like one of us and uh knowing good and evil how come it doesn't have that let's see like that and so the plurality of God this is what I was I was a little bit intrigued with here because God in the early parts of Genesis does speak of himself in the plural you go to Genesis one twenty six, for example uh, God says let us make man in our image according to our likeness we see that us that plurality right there and I think that's really interesting I do uh, to me that it's uh, it's revelatory of the very nature of who and what God is, okay? And uh, so let's see, get over here with this. And uh, as we already went over this verse, Genesis 3.22, uh, the, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And we also find where uh, God said, let us go down and confound our language in, 11, in Genesis 11.7. Anyway, I just find this interesting. Now, I could get into some philosophy about this, Christian philosophy, in that God, the Trinitarian being, is the necessary precondition for intelligibility. And in him is the one and the many, the equality and equal ultimacy of that which is one and that which is plural, that exists in the nature of the triune being. This has certain philosophical ramifications as far as knowledge goes and justification and justified true belief and some other things and uh, I find it interesting to me I, I find it very interesting so uh, anyway you know hey we have four open lines or three open lines if you want to give me a call eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six Don from Ohio welcome you're on the air hey um I've been uh, know if you're familiar with an artist named Jonathan Kahn uh, I don't know. No, I don't know. Okay, what about? Oh uh, well, he's right. Um, I'm reading a book called Return of the Gods, and uh, he talks about um, 
different guys, and they are in the Bible, like in the Shadim, Mesopotamia, I think, the old Iran and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is all these people in Israel who scattered away from God, why didn't they, like, and it doesn't explain it, why weren't these gods, like, millions of other guys created in Israel, why did they have to scatter to do that? I don't understand the question. Or, Sorry. Or you don't understand? No. Oh, Why okay. did God... What, what's the... That's all right. No, no. Re, rephrase the question, because uh, I'm not sure what you're, what you're asking. There in the book, it talks about um, when uh, all the Israel people ran away from God, and they went other places, yeah. and they created other gods, like right. Ishtar, Baal, all that stuff. Right. Okay. You ever heard of that? You know, that's... Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. What, why did, uh, and they talk about even like today in America, how the spirit of all that stuff, like the bull in New York City, you know, that big, uh, bronze bull yes. that's in New York. Mm-hmm. That's, you yes. know, that's another part of ball. And, uh, anyway, the book like goes in all that stuff. It talked about the 19, what was it, 1969 in New York City when the homosexual bar went to a riot and all that. You remember that? No. So what's your what's your question? I'm just curious. What's your, what is it? Well, no, my my question was no. My question was this: is why did it, why did it, how many of those Israelites did it take to spread away from Israel to go to like the old Iran and this to create gods? Why didn't they, why didn't they just do it in Israel? Why did they have to go out to other well, well, wait, like, wait, wait, areas wait, wait, and wait, do wait, it? Wait, 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 wait. Well, hold on, hold on. So. You're asking why did the Jews go to other countries like Iran to create gods? Yeah, I mean, when they were running away from the real God, not these false Buddha crap. I'm talking about there's only one God. They ran okay. away, like millions, and created so, all kinds of, like, different where, where gods. Where are you getting this? And there's where, millions where get, of different where, gods. Can you hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Where are you getting this? What? What you're telling me? Where are you going? Uh, in the book, the reading, the book I was reading, and then when I Google okay. over, some of them guys that he's okay. mentioning oh, okay. are actually. Oh, I just asked Bible. you. I just asked you. I just asked you where you're getting it. Okay, that's it. So you're oh. getting it from this book, oh, and it the, sounds to me like it sounds to me like the guy's confused. Okay, I, I, I hold on. So we got a break coming up. Really? Okay? So hold on, hold on. <sighs> okay. <laughs> We'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Let's get back to Don. Don, you're back on the air. Are you there? Hey, Matt. Okay. Yeah, I got a question. Um, not question. Listen, I like the King James Version Bible. That's it. And I also like preachers when I hear it. I'm into, like, the old hellfire, like Lester Roloff, Lawson, them okay. type of guys so, and stuff, and it's a problem okay. around my house and stuff. I'm sorry, what? Okay, that's okay. You have a, what's your, okay. 
I wanted to continue with the Jonathan Kahn thing a little bit. I did some research oh, during the okay, break. Oh, okay, okay. I thought I was confused. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he's yeah, a big-time writer. He's a Jewish rabbi. Okay, hold, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So I would not trust okay. him. Don't don't follow what he says. Uh, there's there's a lot of problems with what he said. He's made prophecies. Uh, it, it, he seems to be overly sensationalistic. Uh, he uses too much personal revelation. Uh, things like that. So if I were you, I would avoid him. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, this is what my pastor said. He says, I don't agree with, this is what he said, I don't agree with everything he says, but this book he did like, so I just audibled it. But it's super hard to understand, but I appreciate it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But um, I don't know if he has, if he follows the precious blood or not. He don't, like, come out and say it when I try to Google it. A lot of people don't, but I know I do. You do too, right? Yeah. Yes. So, what, what's your next question? You say you're oh else? well, no. I was just saying that um, King James. When I like, uh, I like the King James version. Like, there's a ton of different. You know, there's a ton of different like, or not a ton, a few different versions of the Bible. I like the original one. It came out in the early 1900s to follow from. And it's hard to find preachers who preach from it. You know what I mean? Like straight from it. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. A lot of preachers around Ohio. They don't even use the word hell, or they have like, I'm not joking, you can Google it, there's yoga. Some Baptist churches even have yoga. You have, uh, they yeah, set sodomy. Bad. Now these are bad, this is, I'm not I'm not lying, you can Google it. I don't go I there, but they're there, unfortunately. I know. Oh, you know? I know. There's an, I, I know, there's an apostasy that's brewing in the Protestant uh, movement as a whole. Uh-huh. Right, they're not trusting the it, word of God, and they're adopting secularism and humanist philosophy. Yeah, it's it's I, I I'm well aware of it. So yeah, and parts of those those ad adoptions are things like Christian yoga, and uh, the twelve step program, which is bad. You know, we should not be in churches, and um, the acceptance of false teachers like Kenneth Copeland and and Joyce Meyer and uh, Joel Osteen. Oh my goodness. That remind my mom went to one of her things in St. Louis. It was awful. Yeah, well, that Joyce Meyer mm -hmm. uh, yeah. individual. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she teaches. Hey, heresy. um, mm -hmm. oh, well, so there you go. Any, any other questions? No, nah, man, I appreciate that. I'm just gonna Jennifer. No more Jonathan Kahn, but it was confusing and stuff. But a lot of, but like I said, the guy I really liked said I don't agree with him all the time with this book, but. He's wrote seven or eight. He's never mentioned any of them, but I appreciate him. He, okay. He's doing it. I hope we get more callers, though. I don't understand why. It's pretty, uh, the most easiest, gentle call I've ever had, and I call radio all the time. Thanks, man. You be careful. God bless. Okay. Okay. God bless. All right. Wow. Let's get over to Jared from Indiana. Jared, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, so I called in a couple of days ago and asked you about mm -hmm. Calvinism. We hadn't got to talk again, so I wanted to ask you, first of all, what your thoughts about uh, Calvinism versus dispensationalism. <laughs> Calvinism, generally speaking, holds to, or those who hold to that reform perspective, hold to covenant theology. Yes, sir. And then there are Calvinists who hold to dispensational theology. So it's not Calvinism against dispensationalism. Generally it's covenantalism versus dispensationalism. And covenantalism is the view that God works covenantally as a primary means throughout history and that 
the covenant, which is a pact or an agreement between two or more parties and has a covenant sign, this is how God works, beginning with the intertrinitarian eternal covenant of Hebrews 13.20. And it goes on, and then the word in Latin for covenant is testamentum, so Old Testament, New Testament. So I'm a covenantalist, and when you adopt covenantal theology, other things fall in line. But we'll get into that right now. So dispensationalism is a an approach to biblical interpretation which assumes that God uses different means to working with different people at different times, different places. And there certainly is a level of truth to that. So not all, and I'll get into more, but not all covenantalists avoid certain concepts that the dispensationalists will use and vice versa. So dispensationalism, however, generally they will they will divide history into periods. And the most, most common one I've heard is seven periods, an, an age of innocence, and then yeah. uh, where Adam and Eve you know, were there, and then before they sinned, and conscience, that's from them to the flood, and then civil government. After the flood, there was government, and then the, the age of the promise from Abraham to Moses, then the law, Moses to the cross, then grace, cross to the millennial kingdom, and then millennial kingdom, the rule of Christ for a thousand years. And uh, so most reformed and most that I've occurred, I, I, I've understood, this is my experience, I could be wrong on the statistics, but most of my experience tells me that those who hold to covenant theology are also amillennial or postmillennial, not premillennial. So there are differences, but both are within orthodoxy, and, um, you know, it, it's okay. All right? Yeah, so the other day, whenever I had I had called you, and we had we had talked, and we got into John 6, and I had brought up a verse about the Spirit hadn't been given yet. So yes. if I give you a if I give you a thought, would you be willing to just <laughs> to pick it apart and show me where I'm wrong? Sure, give me a thought. Let's see. Okay, <laughs> let's see what you got. Um, so because I had I had quoted that verse, and I asked if mm -hmm. I, if you thought that maybe yeah. when he was talking to John six about they couldn't come to him unless the Father had had given them, and so I yeah. said I thought that because the Spirit hadn't been given, it wasn't residing in them, and we had stopped, and you went in further. So this was the thought. Um, so before the cross, uh, the 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 old older prophets um they went to or or anybody in the old testament i should say older saints they went to abraham's bosom um after christ is risen he brings them with uh, and that is because then because obviously he's glorified at that time um it says in john 7 with that verse about the spirit hadn't been given because he hadn't been glorified yet and that is why um, they got to go because Ephesians one says that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and and that's why they got to go then because they hadn't had the Spirit of promise in them to to seal them to go to heaven. You're close, okay? Okay. Uh, so before the cross, they went to Abraham's bosom. That's out of Luke sixteen nine, uh, Luke sixteen nineteen. Yeah. 231 and then after Jesus died he brought them out and that's out of Ephesians chapter 4 verses roughly 8 through 12 and you can also cross-reference it with first Timothy no, excuse me first Peter 3 16 to 18 okay it talks about that kind of stuff but 
uh, it wasn't until after the shed blood of Christ that they could then be moved out of Abraham's bosom into the heavenly realm. The crucifixion and the atoning sacrifice is what made the difference, not just the giving of the Spirit, but the giving of the Spirit was done because of the work of the blood, which cleanses the temple in which the Spirit can indwell. And so, yeah. in, in the Old Testament, blood was sprinkled on objects and individuals in order to purify them. So, yeah. the same kind of thing here is, as Hebrews speaks about this, but nevertheless, the blood of Christ is what cleanses us, cleanses us and the Holy Spirit lives in us in that new and permanent and, and more better way, let's just say. Okay. Yeah, so you don't you don't think that has anything to do with John six then though. Um, that whole uh, not being able to come to the Father was is given because because of that or uh, just because I'm taking it in the view of dispensationalism. I'm an independent fundamental Baptist, so just so you know exactly where I'm coming from. But I listen to I listen to a lot of people as long as they're preaching and teaching the Bible and they're not way off, I, I listen, especially, mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of Calvinists. I, I, there's mm -hmm. a lots of people, a lots of apologetics I like to listen to, but I'm trying to see where the difference is. I'm trying to, I'm trying to pinpoint because you got, when it comes to the gospel and, and election and predestination, it's so far off. I know it sounds close, but when you really dig, we got a, we got a break. the two are way off. Okay. What, what? We got a break, but, I want, but we're going to go. Come back. I want you to to summarize. What do you mean by way off? What exactly is way off? Because I'm curious about that. We'll be right back, folks, after these messages and talk to Jared. And uh, hopefully, you'll still be listening. But God bless. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick live, taking your calls at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We'll get back to Jared here in a sec. Thanks, Ernie. And uh, for the $5 rant there in Rumble, really appreciate it. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, Jared, you're back on the air. All right, so well, I was saying about the, the Calvinism and, and uh, well, not necessarily just in, um, dispensationalism, but the, like, how independent uh, Baptists believe. Um, yeah. So, like, when you, it comes to tulip, for example, so we'll just break it down to what what it is. They have there's a lot of differences in what they what is believed in an independent Baptist church as opposed to maybe what a Calvinist would teach about tulip. Yeah. So, uh -huh. like, um, total depravity, right? right? We believe, like, in the church, we believe that men are totally depraved, but not because they were. They were born in sin, but they pick sin, and not according to their nature as much as that is the choice that they just make because they love sin more than they love God. That's, um, both. That's what Reformed Calvinists hold to that, too. Okay, variations of that. Well, yeah. well okay. and then unconditional election. Uh, we yeah. believe there is conditions, and it's in Christ, not the person, but only in Christ, <laughs> that, that the elect That's is what Christ. That's what Calvinists teach. That it's not based on anything well, in the individual. It's based on what God wants to do. He doesn't look in the future to see what you're going to do and then pick you. It's well, a, not conditioned on well, anything in you. It's conditioned on what's in Him. Okay, that's what, that's what it yeah, means. Yeah, but that, that's 
that di- but that's a little bit different than the definition. The definition that that is taught in the independent fundamental Baptist churches that God's elect is Christ, and in, and no. until we're in Christ, you're no, not elect. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That, that's that's faulty. I mean, I would I would just actually bury that one uh, in the dirt. All right, the elect are the individuals chosen, and you can go through and look up the word "eclectos," "eclegomai," and things like that, and you can find out uh, the elect are those chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's Ephesians one four. So that one they're just wrong on. Jesus is a chosen one, but the elect deals with those who are in Christ because they were chosen before the foundation of the world. That's what election is. Okay. Yeah. And, they and that I would one. also say that. Um, and then that election is to service, not to salvation. Yeah, they're 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 okay. Um, to elect, I just, I just, election, that's why hold I'm on. calling you because I want to talk gotcha. to you about it. Yeah, election means uh, being chosen, right? Right. Okay. Second Thessalonians two thirteen. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit of faith and truth. That refutes that idea right there. That verse refutes it. Next. Can I ask one more to that sure. real quick? Um, sure. Um, so, and I've heard, like, uh, so when Christ <laughs> was talking about, to the apostles, he said, I have chosen 12 of you, but one of you are a devil. And yeah. that would, de- that. I mean, he chose wow. him, but, and we know yeah. he was, he was foreordained to that, but I'm just saying, but if yeah. he chose them, doesn't that work the same way in that as well? Or no, no, no. It's a no. If that's what their arguments are giving, then they, they they don't know how to, to. They don't know what it means to exegete scripture. Uh, sorry, the the word means what it means in its context. To be chosen uh, of the twelve doesn't mean every one of them is chosen to be saved. It was chosen for the purpose of being an apostle, and Judas was one chosen specifically in that. And Jesus knew from the beginning he was uh, he was bad. The end of John six talks about that. So that's different than being chosen for salvation, which is what Second Thessalonians two thirteen says. So a lot of times, what people will do when they criticize various things is they will take words like that word "chosen" and it has a wide range of meanings, and they don't know how to separate what the context is and the different usages that is given, and then they make these, all these grandiose mistakes in understanding scripture, like that. Okay. Which, let's go yeah, on the next and one. so one of them too. Okay, uh, limited atonement. Um, uh-huh. the, so yeah. they they would say that, as you would say, that atonement is limited, but they don't believe it's up. That's not because God picked some and didn't pick others, but it's limited that what you have believed based on yeah, that, what faulty. you have chosen. Yeah, that's faulty. Yeah, see, that's humanist philosophy. And that if God does this based on what you're going to do. And look at me, everybody. Look how good I am. God's going to make choices based on what I do. That's a humanist philosophy. And it's woven into uh, a lot of that, that mentality. Um, see, everybody limits the atonement. Reformed people limit the, the, the uh, scope. The, uh, the non-reformed limit the power. So look at it this way. The reformed people say that the blood of Christ is so powerful. It is so wonderful that for whom it is shed, they're cleansed. It's done. And so we limit, because it's powerful, we limit the scope. But the other side, they say, well, it's up to you to apply. It's up to you to do this stuff, more humanism. And so they limit the power so that they can broaden the scope. They are humanist philosophers. And I would, in a heartbeat, 
debate one of the best one they've got on this this issue. I would do it. I fly out to their church, have it be recorded, and do a debate and uh, point out their humanistic philosophy that they have and that kind of stuff. Because they do. Yeah, well, the, and okay. The, and, okay. Well, and, the, and there's I've heard many a pushbacks on all these so far. Oh, I, so have I. Just, I've debated it for I, over I thirty years. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite familiar with the arguments, and I would be glad to. Debate I know. It. I've, I've heard you lots of times. That's why I'm yeah. calling you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, irresistible grace. And they would say, obviously, God's grace is resistible because obviously <laughs> he would have all men come means. to the knowledge. Uh, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Irresistible grace does not mean you can't resist God's grace. It means at the point of regeneration, you can't resist God's grace. That's what it means. In this, okay. So when God regenerates yeah, you, he causes you to be born again. First Peter one three. You're born again not of your own will. John one thirteen. That's the irresistible grace. Not not to say that people can't resist God's goodness and graciousness to, to them throughout the life. Okay, so the yeah. Reformed Baptist, I mean the the Baptist uh, fundamentalists don't understand what the other position is. So, okay. Well, and then and then obviously perseverance of the saints. Right. Um, that and I know that obviously Calvinists. I, I've listened a lot, and a lot of them we, mm-hmm. that you persevere to the end because of God's grace. Um, that you're going to persevere, and the and, and it's just a change, I guess, the changing of the defi- of all the definitions. But the and they would they would say at the fundamental Baptist church that you you don't you persevere because of Christ, and that's what you guys would say too. But there, that you don't have to make it to the end to prove it. You already know it. And I've heard John MacArthur a lot on perseverance of the saints. He's he's he says on both sides of it that if you when you get to the end you'll know that you were of his of his for sure because you persevered and 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 the and I've heard Calvinists also say just like an independent fundamental Baptist say you persevere because of Christ no matter what so um, well we persevere because definition. we persevere because God has ordained that we be with Him and yeah though we we might be capable of some pretty bad things even as christians but we're, we're changed we're born again made new creatures and we have been given by the father to the son for safekeeping and the will of the father is that jesus not lose any jesus can't fail to do the will of the father so we're going to persevere the means of the perseverance is is open for discussion but the the end result is that we don't lose our salvation otherwise christ failed to do the will of the father okay well yeah, and then the last point is not of the tulip, but the wrapping up of tu- tulip indeterminism, and they said that that does not bring glory to God. Indeterminism. <laughs> we don't teach because, determinism. Yeah, you, look, well, it's very. Let me explain. It's very frequent that the other side misrepresents what we teach. Okay, and and uh, it's not determinism. Determinism says there's no free will. There's it's just predestined in the sense that you can't do anything. That's just how it is. That's not what we teach. All right. It's not not our position. Well, well that's, so they he, so they're misrepresenting it. They're bearing false witness. All right. Well, J- so listening to James White, that's what he teaches. Absolutely. No, 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 James doesn't teach that. I'll be I'll be talking to James in a couple three four weeks. I got to go out to Tennessee. We can talk about it. But the thing is, God determines whatsoever shall come to pass. But it does not mean we don't have free will. See, a lot of times when we talk about these kind of things, those on the other side, they don't think very. I mean. Sorry, but it's the case. They don't think very deeply about these things. Well, you said determined. That means you can't have free will. We didn't say that. 
You're contradicting yourself. No, we're not. Can we talk about it? What is free will? We don't believe in libertarian free will. We believe in compatibilist free will. People have the ability to make choices that are consistent with their nature that are unforced. We, we Calvinists affirm that. It's just that God can determine where you're going to go. God determines even the choices you can make freely, just like I can force you to do what I want you to do without violating your free will. I have illustrations for that. And we get into more deeper discussions, and I find that the free will Baptists and the fundamental Baptists, generally speaking, my encounters with them, they have not, they do not have a good understanding of our position. They think they do, and then they don't. And I correct them politely, and they say, you're wrong. I said, no, I'm not. I've been defending it for, since basically 1991. All right, so 20, 33 years I've been defending this. So, you know, all right. So, well, I I did hear a clip of of James White saying that God does ordain rape. Um, yes, he does. It, Look, yes, he does. Glory to God. You 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 don't understand. Yes, he does. But what I, does that's it why mean? I'm asking. That's why I'm asking. Well, I'm trying to explain it. What does it mean to ordain? So, if you go to Ephesians one eleven, God works all things after the counsel of His will. So let me ask you, uh-huh. does God work even the issue of rape with the counsel of his will? Does he? Does he? The I answer mean, is, I, I don't, I, I, the answer is, well, I don't, yes. He doesn't bring, he doesn't bring. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The scripture okay. says yes. I mean, the scripture says it, you've got to say yes. Then we ask the question, well, what does it mean? And that's what you have to do with ordain. You have to ask the question, what is meant by the issue of ordination? Does it mean by direct or indirect? Does it mean through what we call uh, proximate means or causes or efficient causes? And I, I've yet to find any of the critics of, of Reformed theology, predestination, and all this stuff, I've yet to find them even understanding the basic issues. Seriously. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing for them. And I explain it to them. And they still get it wrong because they don't want to see it. They only want to to put their vitriolic hatred forward about God's sovereignty, and then they attack Calvinism, and they misrepresent it. And I, I, I call them on the carpet and say, stop bearing false witness. At least know what we actually teach and disagree with that. So when we say that God ordains whatever shall come to pass, even the death of my son or a car accident or robbery, it doesn't mean that God's saying, hey, I want this to happen. Oh, look at this. It's good. Oh, that's not what's happening. And that's how they interpret it. That's not it. I wish these people would stop with their amateur theological analysis and start doing some serious thinking and some serious study. (sighs) Sorry. That's why I called. I'm trying to, I I want to, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out the depth of, of each of the positions, and that's why I've been I've called you okay. the second time now, okay. and I emailed you. I'm just trying to get in there. And, and Look, the fundamental I, Baptists really don't trust them. Don't trust them when it comes to analyzing Reformed theology. If you want to really know what it is, go into uh, like systematic theology by uh, Wayne Grudem. Get that. I have it. All right, study that. Study ordination, okay. and you need to study such things as. The, ca- the issues of causation. We're out of time. I go really fast here. Ultimate, proximate, efficient causation. You need to also study the issue of decretive will, prescriptive will, and permissive will. With these, you can then understand what the Reformed perspective teaches. Otherwise, they'll continue to bear false witness like they do. They don't even know what they're talking about. All right? Sorry, man, we're out of time. Yeah. Call back tomorrow. We'll talk about it some more, okay? 
Hey, folks, there you go. Oh, so much heresy, so little time. Hey, but that's what I do, isn't it? Refuted, that is. Hey, we'll be right back. No, you won't. We'll be back tomorrow. God bless. See ya. <laughs> Another program powered by the Truth Network. <laughs>